Thank you so much, Ben. Appreciate you so much. Can we just express our thanks and appreciation to Ben? And so we're continuing this morning in our lessons from the prodigal's family. And I'm going to ask a question before we go any further. Do you ever feel angry at God? Feel maybe that um, God just isn't coming through for you? You, uh, you have certain expectations of God and God just isn't there. And you wonder, God, like, is there any point in praying? Is there any point in calling on your name? Are you there? Maybe you feel... Maybe sometimes that God is unfair to you. You uh, you hear of everybody else experiencing amazing miracles in their life, and you're saying, God, where's my miracle? When when do I get my miracle? And how come I, I hear people say, God spoke to me and told me, but God, you never speak to me. Do you ever think that? I wonder, God, what's this? Do you feel maybe that God favors others above you? You look at other people's lives, you think, man, they've such they got it so easy. How come I got it so difficult? Anybody ever think like that? How come, how come things seems to go well for them all the time, but never goes well for me? How come she gets all the breaks and I never get any? Maybe you feel that God doesn't know what he's doing. And if, if you could just get a few minutes alone with God, you just tell him how to get things sorted out and how to do things. Because God, if I were you, I would do things a lot different. You ever feel like that? Thank you, Manuel. <laughs> By the way, we, Manuel and I got to deliver phone books this week. And, uh, man, I love that guy. He loves the Lord. And he loves me. And I love him. Thank you. <laughs> you're part of the family. So we think, man, God, you're not fair. You favor others. You don't know what you're doing. I'm mad at you. When I was... Uh, when I was in Greece, I met a, a friend, uh, a, who's a friend now, actually, he wasn't then. He was a pastor from England. He was vacationing there. And we got talking about some, uh, some things. And um, he said, Alan, if you really, really want to understand God as your father, if you really want to, if you really want to have a good, close relationship with him, what you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn not to interpret what happens around you and in your life through your own understanding. You can't, you can't interpret what's happening in the lives of others or even in your own life through your own experiences or through your own wisdom. Because here's the problem. By nature, every one of us is faulty. Did you know that? We're, 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 we got faulty thinking. We, we, uh, we grew up with, uh, with, uh, with prejudices and ideas that some were good, some weren't good. And, and here's the thing. If you, if you try to understand God through your own wisdom or through your own understanding, you're not going to get it right. You will, you'll almost always get it wrong. You'll almost always misinterpret what God is doing in your life and in the lives of others. And he reminded me of the very, very first verse in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says what? In the beginning, God. Stop. That's the starting place. God. In the beginning, God. If you want to understand God, and if you want to understand what he's doing in your life, and if you want to understand what's happening around you, then you've got to 
begin with God and who he is. Bill Maher uh, did a documentary. Did I get that? Say it right, Maher? I said it wrong the first service, and dear Pastor Taryn got me straightened out here for the second. Bill Maher, Maher, he did a documentary called Religious. You've seen that one? Maybe you haven't. I hope you haven't seen it. Undermine your faith. But basically what he does is he tries to show you how Christianity and how religion is so faulty and how stupid it is. And if you listen to it, you think, well, yeah, I can see that makes sense. That I can understand why he would think that. And you begin to doubt God. You begin to doubt whether or not your faith has any validity or not. But here's what's happening with Bill Maher. He's beginning with his own understanding. He's beginning with his own wisdom. He has no clue of how God works. He has no clue of who God is. Now, let's go back to the story of the prodigal son. And what do we discover about the prodigal son? We will discover, first of all, that, that after he lives wild and takes uh, half his dad's wealth, his inheritance, and returns home, his dad embraces him, loves him, gives him a party, gives him clothes, gives him shoes, gives him a ring, which signifies he's, he's restored to his position in the family where he has authority. The father is celebrating and joyful, but the brother is absolutely scandalized. And he looks at his dad and he thinks, Dad, you have lost it. Dad, you are being suckered. How could you be so naive? Dad, you're being conned by our younger brother. You see, he doesn't understand the mind of his father. What he's doing is he's interpreting events through his own wisdom and his own understanding. Folks, that's always going to get you in trouble when you try to understand what God is doing in your life or in the lives of others. We can back up for a second here. You can look at this older brother who looks at his younger brother who has taken half his dad's wealth, and you, you can't help but blame him for jumping to this conclusion, can you? I mean, his brother did squander everything, didn't he? He did blow half his father's estate. I mean, surely the older brother is justified in jumping to this conclusion. But here's the thing, friends. <laughs> Is that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters only what the Father thinks. And until you understand that at the end of the day, all that matters is what God says and what God thinks, then you are going to try to be God. And you're going to try to sort your life out and do things your own way and according to your own understanding. And you're going to run into one problem after another, one mess after another. You're going to constantly be finding yourself in trouble because you're not letting God the Father be God the Father. Look what it says in Luke 15, 28 to 30. The older brother became angry and refused to go into the celebration that the father was having for the younger prodigal brother. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when a son of yours, when this son of yours, you hear the poison there? But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. 
The elder son has now lost all respect and no longer trusts his father's judgment. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. All these years, we've been calling this story the story of the prodigal son. But a better, a better description of this parable would be the love of the prodigal's father. Because this story really is about God. Jesus wanted to demonstrate to his listeners the great love that the father had and has for his children. And it's something that the older brother just didn't get. So today I want to talk to you about putting your faith in a heavenly father who is, listen to this, who is immensely wise and who is immensely loving. So what does it mean to put your faith in the heavenly father? Well, first of all, it means to trust his wisdom. You're going to trust his, you're going to trust his judgment. You're going to trust what he does. Even though you don't get it, you're going to trust him. And clearly, this elder brother did not trust his father. He looked at his father throwing a celebration for a younger brother, and he's thinking, man, man that should not be. He's thinking, Dad, is it, was it wise to give, in the first place, to give our younger brother half the estate? Was it wise to give him his inheritance so early? Dad, was it wise to welcome him home? Dad, was it wise to put a ring on his finger and give him back his authority? Dad, was it, was it really wise to welcome him home? Shouldn't you make him suffer a little bit? Shouldn't you just say, you, you know, you just, you just stay out there and suffer a little bit longer so you learn your lesson? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be a good thing to do? Was it wise to throw him a celebration? Make him think that it was okay what he did? You see, here's what happens, folks. Listen, we all do this. We all look at, at, at our brothers and, and we look at what they do and they don't do whatever and we, and we've got to all figure out what should happen in their life. And God's saying, get your eyes off of others and get your eyes on me. That's what God the Father is saying to you and me today. Look at, what does God want to do in your life? And we're so quick to figure out what God should do in other people's lives that we, that we fail to recognize what he wants to do in us. And so this elder brother, he didn't trust his father. But God's calling you and me to trust the wisdom of our Father in heaven. You may not agree with what God is doing in the lives of other people. You may not agree with what God's doing in your life. You say, Pastor, if you knew what I was going through right now, you know what? Just, just trust the Father. He knows what he's doing. Pastor, if you know the circumstances I'm in right now, trust the Father. He knows what he's doing in your life. Do you trust him today? Because that's what this is about. It's learning to trust the Father, to trust what he does. Even when it doesn't make sense. What well, doesn't make sense to throw a party for a prodigal brother? But he does. He throws a party. It's easy for you and I to look at the situation and recognize that it's all about God's mercy and his grace. But when you're in the middle of it, man, you, you're so subjective and suddenly you're interpreting it through your own eyes and your own wisdom. It just doesn't make sense. That's the way it is, folks. It never makes sense. When you try to interpret things through your own understanding, what you've got to do is you've got to turn to the Father and you've got to acknowledge and recognize that he is all wise. And he does everything right. Did you know that today? God does not sit up in heaven scratching his head thinking, man, I, I didn't get that one right, but man, I got two out of three right. That's pretty good. That's pretty good average, isn't it? 
How many know that God's got, he, he, he gets perfect in everything he does? If you're going to grade the, the workings of God, he gets 100% all the time. He never messes up. He never makes a mistake. How many know that today? Anybody here got a track record like that? Because if you've got a track record like that, you need to come up here and finish the sermon off. I don't have a track record like that, but God does. And so here's the thing. Although it seems like God's not getting it right, guess what? He is. Although it seems as though your circumstances are just, God has just lost control and he doesn't know what he's doing, guess what? He knows what he's doing. Pastor, if you only knew what I'm going through right now, it doesn't matter if I know. And it doesn't matter if the person beside you knows. What matters is that God knows and he's in control. He's sovereign. Pastor James Brown was learning how to fly. Ben Hapner's going to like this. His instructor took him up in the plane and put the plane into a steep and extended dive and totally unprepared for what was about to happen. The engine stalled and the plane began to plunge out of control and soon it became evident that the instructor was not going to help him at all. (laughs) And after a few seconds, which seemed like an eternity, his mind began to function again and he quickly corrected the situation. Immediately he turned to his instructor and began to vent fearful frustrations. In other words, he began to tell him off. And he very, and the instructor very calmly said to him this. He said, listen, there is no position you can get this airplane into that I cannot get you out of. If you want to learn to fly, go up there and do it again. And Pastor James Brown at that very moment heard the voice of God speaking to his heart and saying this, remember this, remember this lesson as you serve me. There's no situation you can get yourself into that I cannot get you out of. If you trust me, You'll be all right. This to me, my friends, God is helping you learn to fly in this life. And the lesson doesn't end until you're six feet under. And so if you feel like once in a while that you're going into a dive, say, praise the Lord, I'm still alive. (laughs) Praise the Lord, God's still not finished with me. There's still lessons to learn. If you're in a plunge right now, don't be afraid. God is at your side. He will not let you go. He will not desert you in your hour of distress. He's teaching you how to fly. Having faith in the Father means to trust His wisdom and trust that He does everything well. There's a, you know, there's a, a book in the Old Testament. It's only three chapters long. Just before the New Testament. Written by a prophet by the name of Habakkuk. It's a true person. A real person. And Habakkuk is having a real hard time with God. He's having this dialogue with God, and he's saying to God, God, man, things aren't going right here. We're called the children of God. We're called the favored ones, the chosen ones. And yet we're under attack, and, 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 and there's no food in the land. And, and, and he gets into this dialogue with God, and God responds. And Habakkuk levels more accusations at God, and God responds. And then finally, Habakkuk gets it. God's in control. He has his reasons that you and I may not know. But he's in charge. And listen to what Habakkuk's response is. I love this. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 to 19. Now here's a declaration of faith for you. Ready? Listen to this. Habakkuk says this. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and the fig tree has no blossom, what happens? No figs. No figs, you you, you starve. 
And even though there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crop fails, and even though the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and, and the cattle barns are empty, yet, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. Wow! What faith! And he goes, not only will I rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. That's faith. There's a man who says, I don't care what the situation is. I have faith in my Father in heaven that he knows what he's doing and he does everything well. Do you have that kind of faith? The elder son certainly didn't. He didn't trust his father. He thought his dad got it all wrong. It was all mixed up. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. The younger brother is called the prodigal, the black sheep of the family, the bad son. And he's called what? He's called the good son. And the younger brother is the bad son. Why? Because he didn't want to be with his father anymore. He didn't, didn't trust his dad. He wanted to get as far away from his dad as possible. Guess what? The older brother was no different. The only difference between these two brothers is that the younger brother had the guts to run away. The older one did it. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning because it's so easy to look at other people and put them down and judge them. We talked about judgment last week. It's so easy to look at others and think how terrible they are. But the fact of the matter is is that each and every one of us I mean, all of us here today struggles with trusting the Father. This is your struggle. This is my struggle. And it's a struggle we have every day. And so what God is calling you and I to do today is to say, Okay, God, I'm sorry for taking life into my own hands. I'm sorry for not trusting you. And God's calling you to trust him once again with whatever it is that you're going through today. He loves you. And he's in charge. Would you let God be God? Would you, would you let the sovereign God, the maker of the heavens and the universe, be God? Would you just take your hands off the reins and say, God, I don't have to rule the universe. I'm going to let you do it today. <laughs> and what ha- watch what happens when you let God be God. Suddenly you're going to get your old sweetness back. You won't be so sarcastic, so cynical, so angry. You won't, you won't be so, uh, cold spiritually if you believe that God is truly in charge. To have faith in the Father means that you trust His wisdom. It also means that you trust His love. My dad's here today, and sometimes it makes it difficult to preach when dad's here. And I'll tell you why, because uh, because, um, when I want to use illustrations from my childhood, that means dad's here to hear it all, and I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) But one of the things that, one of the arguments that my brothers and my sister and I used to have is who is the favorite in the family? Anybody, anybody else have those conversations in their family? Any, or is it just me? Put your, just wave at me so I don't feel, okay, thank you, thank you, Kathy. So you and I, okay, Vicky too. Who is the favorite? Well, I knew for sure I wasn't. But my sister was sure that I was. I was sure my sister was a favorite because, and my older brother was a favorite. And my, in fact, I thought all of them were the favorite, and I wasn't. I thought my older brother was a favorite because he had his own room, and he 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 seemed to get it all. 
My younger brother was the spoilt one in the family. How many know younger children are the spoilt ones in the family? Yes, yes, yes. I see that hand. Yes. And everybody said, amen. And my sister, the only girl in the family, she had her own room. It was decorated, nice furniture, antiques, carpets. And I had to share a bed with my brother. I was not the favorite. And yet if you ask my siblings, my brothers, my siblings, they'll tell you that I was the favorite. It's interesting, isn't it, how we all have different perceptions. And what is the truth? If you ask my dad today, he'll say, I love you all the same, equal. I had no favorites. You know what? We're, we're, sometimes we're so stupid because we think somehow that God has favorites. How many know today that God has no favorites? I'm not just making that up. That's what the Bible says. It says that Romans chapter 2, verse 11, for God does not show favoritism. Colossians 3.25, but if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Did you know that God deals with you and me with the same amount of love? Did you know that? He doesn't deal with, deal with us the same because we're all different. I was one of those kids that didn't need to be spanked a lot. Right, Dad? My brother, on the other hand, my sister on the, I was, I was smart enough to watch them get it and think, okay, I better not do that. <laughs> or I'm gonna get it. I better not do that or I'm gonna get it. No two kids are alike and each one is dealt with uniquely. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Because the way God deals with you is not the way God's gonna deal with you. And the way God deals with you is not the way God's gonna deal with me. God deals with us all differently. Did you know that? And so one of the biggest mistakes that you're going to make in your Christian life is comparing yourself to somebody else. Comparing yourself to the way that God deals with somebody else. Huge mistake. Because God never deals with the same, the same way with the same two people. Or two, with two people. It's never the same. It's different. It's unique. And I find that in my family. My kids are all different. I can't deal with them all the same. I got to deal with them differently. This elder son looked at his dad. Tell him the servants, go kill the fatted calf and let's have a party for your brother. And look what he says to his, to his dad in verse 29. He says, listen, he's comparing now, right? He's saying, you love my little brother more than me, and I can prove it because, listen, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Oh, isn't that what we do? God, look at you, look, look what you've done for her, but you're not doing it for me. Look what you're doing over there, but you're not doing it for me. Now, as a father, I can tell you, I do things pretty fairly, and although my kids may not always know it, it's fair. And guess what? If I, who am human, with all my heart, with all my, with all my power, with all my wisdom, try to do what is fair and even, how much more will my Father in heaven do what is fair and even? But here's the thing. If you don't trust the love of God, if you don't trust His love, then you are going to automatically think 
that you're getting the short end of the stick over and over again. And you know people like that. What's on their lips all the time? It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. But I want you to know God is fair and he's loving. Because his son didn't... Listen, this 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 is what happens if you don't trust the love of the Father. Guess what happens? You become like the elder brother who does what? He becomes a brother basher. Starts bashing his brother, starts bashing his siblings. And not only that, but bitterness sets into his heart. And maybe you're here today and you've let bitterness into your heart because you thought that you weren't being treated fairly. You thought God was not being fair. And I want you to know today, God is fair. He's fairer than anything you and I could ever understand. Trust God's love for you and watch the contentment fill your heart and the ability to love the people in your life. Because how many know it's not always easy to love your brother or your sister? Sometimes it's not even easy to love your spouse. Sometimes it's not easy to love your kids. But when you are content in the love of your Father in heaven, it enables you to love the people in your life. One last thing i got to share with you. God calls you to trust his wisdom, to trust his love, and thirdly, to trust his goodness. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, everybody's heard this at one time or another. It says, for God says this to you and to me. This is what he says to you and to me. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God wants for you. You say, Pastor, not for me. Maybe for the one beside me, but not for me because I don't deserve it. Ah. You see, you're, you're judging your heart and you've got no right to. Only God has that right. And here's what God chooses to do. He chooses to have a good plan for your life. He has a plan to prosper you, to help you do well. That's the Father's will for His children. Our Father in heaven, His will for His children is that you do well. Now, I, uh, I'm a father, and I can tell you right here and right now, I want all my kids to, to succeed and do well in life. I don't have any favorites. I want them all to do well. And I'm going to do everything in my power to do good for my kids. Guess what? Our Father in heaven is even more so that way. But here's this brother. He doesn't think his dad loves him. He doesn't think his his dad wants to be good to him. He thinks his dad has got goodness only in store for that prodigal brother of his. And why does he think that? Because he's playing the dangerous game called the comparison game. It happens at our house all the time. And here's here's what it goes. This This is what it sounds like. It goes like this. Ready? It goes, why does he get to stay up late? Why does, uh, why does he get to buy something and I don't? Why doesn't he have to do any chores? How come she gets new clothes? How come I have to load the dishwasher? How come I have to wash that? Why, is it, why doesn't he do that? How come I have to wash the floor? How come he's... It goes back and forth like this. What's happening? We're comparing. We do that, don't we? When you start comparing yourself to other people and their, with their situation, with their circumstances... My friends, you don't, you're just seeing a small little portion of the life. You're not seeing the big picture. And you don't have the ability to see the big picture. Only the Father has. 
And so I want to say this to you today. If you're playing the comparison game and you're questioning the goodness of your Father in heaven, you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble because what's going to happen is that your heart will be filled with anger. You'll start having temper tantrums and you'll be fixated on fairness. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. But you start trusting the goodness of God and your joy will come back to you and you'll say, God, I'm leaving everybody in your hands because I trust you. I want to close with a, a story about a man by the name of Ben Hooper. Not Ben Hepner, Ben Hooper. And uh, ben, uh, ben didn't know who his real father was. He was uh, born out of wedlock. And um, when he was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to his church. And he would always get to church late so that nobody would talk to him. And he'd always get out of church early. He'd leave a bit earlier before everybody else because he was so terrified of talking to people. He felt that people were judging him. And in some ways, he was right because growing up in school, they always made fun of him. Who was his father? Who was his dad? He never knew. And then one Sunday morning pastor said the benediction, closed the service. And before little Ben could get out of church, 12-year-old Ben, the pastor got to the back of the church and was shaking hands as people were leaving. And as the boy came to the pastor, who was terrified to meet anybody because he didn't want to tell people his situation, didn't want to tell people his story, the pastor put his hand on the young man's shoulder and said, who are you, son? Whose boy are you? Whose boy are you? The dreaded question. Ben Hooper said, I felt the old weight come on me. It was like a big black cloud. Now even the preacher was putting me down. But as he looked down at me, studying my face, he began to smile, a big smile of recognition. He said, the preacher said to him, wait a minute. I know you. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. He said, you are a son of God. With that, he slapped the young man on the back and said, Boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. Ben Hooper said, Those, those few words absolutely revolutionized his life. He was a changed man from that moment on. And he, he said, I felt the weight lift from my shoulders, I recognized that I belonged to the family of God and I, I had a father who loved me. I want you to know today, my friends, you have a father in heaven that loves you. You have a father in heaven that wants to do good for you. You have a father in heaven who does everything wisely and just and good. And he's calling you into a deep and close relationship with him. I'm going to tell you this. When we trust our Father, when we have faith in his wisdom, his love, and his goodness, that's when we're most content. That's when we're happiest. That's when we're most Christ-like. Does everybody remember Paul Harvey? Remember the rest of the story? Ben Hooper, the young boy who was so afraid of people, so so scared to meet anybody new, 
After that preacher said, I see the family resemblance, you are a son of God, that young man went on to become the governor of Tennessee. His life was absolutely and radically changed. Now listen to me. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because the thing that's going to radically revolutionize your life, the thing that's going to bring success to your life, the thing that's going to make your life go better, is if you begin to trust your Father in heaven. Don't be like the elder brother. Didn't trust his father's wisdom, didn't trust his father's love, didn't trust his father's goodness. Be like Ben Hooper. Once he had a revelation that he had a father in heaven that loved him, it revolutionized his life so that he could be go on to become all that God wanted him to become. And that, my friend, is what God wants for you. Would you bow your head with me, please? Father in heaven, your heartbeat is seen clearly in Luke 15, 32, which says, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. God, we see in this parable an image of a father so full of love, so full of grace, so full of wisdom, so full of goodness. And He's our Father. You are our Father. Father, I pray today that if there are any here whose relationship to You is not what it ought to be, God, may this be the day of reconciliation. May this be the day of getting back to that place where we trust you. We stop comparing ourselves to others. Stop judging others. Stop putting other people down. Start to love others the way you love them. Father, may we, may we resemble you. So that anybody who sees us can say, along with that old preacher, I see the family resemblance. You're a son of God. I see the family resemblance. You're a daughter of God. 